You are listening to the Health and Wellness Connection Podcast, the number one wellness podcast designed to provide the latest information to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. Our show features exciting guests, the latest in medical research, and in-depth discussions in current trends on weight loss, nutrition, and fitness. No matter what your interest, the Health and Wellness Podcast has you covered. And now, presenting your illustrious host, Dr. Barry, M.D. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Health and Wellness Connection. It's your host, Dr. Barry, and I want to thank you for joining us to another episode of what I hope will be a very auspicious and festive episode of the Health and Wellness Connection. Again, this is early December of 2023, and we're just here chit-chatting about the health and wellness news that has come across the desk of moi, or yours truly, I should say. All right, so before we get into the details of the show, first I want to do the typical um, things we got to do to give shout outs. First off and foremost, I want to thank all the fans, all the listeners. Appreciate you guys. A lot of new people coming on. We appreciate y'all for keeping up with the show and all the uh, news and things we're trying to drop. Um, yeah, so please continue sharing. Tell your friends about the show. Definitely want to, um, if you have any things you want to us to talk about, definitely reach out to us. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Barry. You can reach me via email, drbarryhealth at gmail.com. You can also reach me via Instagram, Dr. Barry MD. Also, TikTok, Dr. Barry Health. So, yeah, um, we're going to be keeping the content coming. A lot of cool TikToks, a lot of cool shows, and just a lot of cool content. So, stay tuned to that. Also, if you want to donate to the show, definitely check us out on Cash App, and that is um, Dr. Barry Health uh, as well, or cashapp.com slash Dr. Barry Health. Also, on the Anchor website, on the, I'm sorry, the podcast page. Um, it's now a Spotify page. So you can check that out and also donate there if you like. And just keep listening and just share. You don't have to have any money as well. Just share the show to your friends, post on their social medias. It's also greatly appreciated and it's very valuable. We appreciate you to do that. So, yes. Yeah, so, guys, so again, we're always focused on bringing you the latest in the health and wellness space. I've had some pretty interesting articles come across my desk. And I want to talk about those as well as some of the things we should be looking out for in the new year, things we should make sure we do to make sure we maximize our health and wellness. So first things first, there's a new gene therapy treatment that just got okayed by the Federal um, Department of Agriculture, the FDA, who um, basically regulates all the treatments that are allowed in the United States. And basically, we have a new gene editing treatment that's being purported as a cure for sickle cell. Now, this is pretty amazing news. Um, someone like myself who has treated many sickle cell patients knows that sickle cell is one of the most devastating diseases out here. Very, very um, difficult to live on that illness just because of, um, and those who don't know, sickle cell is a um, disease that results in a mutation of the hemoglobin of the body. Hemoglobin is part of your red blood cells, which is basically designed to carry oxygen from your lungs to different parts of your body. So that's why blood is so important because it carries oxygen. If you don't have the ability to carry oxygen, blood becomes less effective, you get very sick, a lot of issues arise. Sickle cell patients have issues with carrying oxygen due to mutations in their hemoglobin, which causes their blood to be abnormal and it causes a lot of um, problems with their overall metabolic functioning, 
you know, and it, it results in many complications. So sickle cell has been something that's really affected, especially the communities of color. Um, African-American communities are also particularly affected just due to the genetic nature of the um, drug, but it's also found in Mediterranean populations, Arab populations, and the like. So sickle cell has been something that has really confounded physicians for many, many years, decades. That's because the way it has been treated has really been unsatisfactory. Um, sickle cell patients usually have a very high mortality rate. They typically, you know, pass away in their 40s, 50s due to complications of sickle cell. And it's been a, and it's usually a chronic illness that many people have many issues, outbreaks and it's crises and the likes. So treatment has always been centered around finding a way to get healthy blood cells into these patients to um, reduce those complications. Now, in comes gene editing therapy. There's a new technology known as CRISPR, which is actually designed to go to the molecular level and edit the DNA of various cells to remove potential issues. In this case, they found a way to isolate those DNA that affects the hemoglobin um, protein that is created during cell development and in removing those abnormal DNA segments that cause the abnormal hemoglobins that develop in sickle cell patients. So it's pretty revolutionary stuff, very sophisticated stuff. So you know it's not gonna be cheap, right? But we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Either way, so there's two drugs on the market that are using this technology. And um, they're very, very experimental and the names are kind of complicated so we won't get hung up on the names. But just know that um, one known as Case Givet um, comes out of Vertex Pharmaceuticals. The, other, the second one is known as Lovocell or Limegenia, um, which also comes from another company known as Bluebird Biotechnics. And so I just like to put the companies out there because, you know, some people who like to listen to my show and get, you know, ideas of maybe looking at companies for other interests, I like to put that out there, but not that I recommend any of that be done. That being said, so companies that are doing this are pretty much on the edge of biotech and science to come up with these and they were able to create this technology for sickle cell specifically now they actually started a small trial to test to see whether or not these tests are working and the trial was pretty amazing 32 patients they performed this procedure as far as putting these newly edited cells into these patients and um, they did some things to help kind of prep them by removing some of the old cells in the body. And they did this. And they found that 88% of the patients who underwent this treatment with these new edited cells actually had no more complications and no more crises. So, which is pretty amazing because, and this is after an 18-month period. So, 18 months without a crisis is, a, is an amazing feat for someone who suffers from chronic sickle cell complications. So this stuff is pretty revolutionary. It's extremely, extremely early. And so much so that, you know, the technology is still extremely kind of new. And of course, as we all know, when it comes to technology, new usually means expensive. And this is definitely not excluded from that rule. <clears throat> it's believed that these two drugs, the Exocell and the Lovocell, the, the two different uh, treatments offered with this new technology, are reported to cost about $2 million for a full session. So unless you really, you know, <laughs> got the Bitcoin stored up or you're just independently wealthy, you may not be able to afford this, assuming you have, um, you don't have insurance. Now, if you do have insurance, it's also not guaranteed as well because it's believed many insurances would not cover this because of the extreme high cost and whether or not, you know, the person who they're insuring 
is worth it. Frankly, I mean, these insurance companies aren't really focused on <laughs> insuring your health. They're focused on making money. So, you know, this is when these expensive drugs sometimes come through um, some issues. But just know that this thing, ideally, once it's perfected, the price will probably come down. Who knows how long that will be. But it's just a revolutionary thing to begin with, I would say, just to um, have a way to actually help find a lot, give definitive treatment to sickle cell sufferers. Um, it's a very debilitating disease, and I think this is a really a revolution. So yes, gene editing therapy is now a reality and can potentially cure sickle cell patients. So if you're sick, if someone has sickle cell, or you know someone has sickle cell, I would definitely talk with your doctors, ideally your specialist, the hematologist, whoever specializes in sickle cell treatment, will likely be able to potentially give you more info about this treatment. So yes, um, new treatment for sickle cell, and it could potentially be curative, uh, but it won't be cheap though. All right, guys, so there's a concerning story that also came across my desk this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yes, yeah, so there's a new concerning illness that's coming out of China that's getting people a little nervous. Now, I'm sure you guys know that um, bug that caused uh, the world to turn upside down, known as COVID-19, originally also came from China and it presented itself in a similar fashion in that many people were getting sick, unknown illness was believed to be the culprit and then later on it was discovered it was COVID-19. Now, how that actually came about is us another world that we're not going to go too deep in, but just know that it's believed that China is where the virus may have been um, initiated from. Now, there's some new concerning news from China in that there's a new respiratory illness that's affecting young children that's apparently overwhelming hospitals in different parts of China. Now, it's believed that the CDC over in China reported that almost 3,500 cases of a respiratory infection were admitted to a children's hospital in one of the major cities in China. So um, it's concerning because, you know, when you have these illnesses that are not really clear, overwhelming hospitals, there's always concern about a new virus or new mutation afoot that may be potentially dangerous or very deadly. So there's a lot of focus being put on this. And of course, the media has not really been talking about it as much because, again, we're not sure what's going on. Um, and I guess they're concerned about potentially spreading fear. However, now further reports are coming out that this new infection or this new outbreak, if you will, is actually due to one of the more familiar infections that have been around or have been known to the scientific community for a while. And that's known as mycoplasma pneumonia, also called walking pneumonia. And this is an infection that's actually been around for a while. We know very well it exists. Now, the only problem with this infection is that it's believed to be sometimes can turn into a chronic lung infection very easily. And, uh, you know, it can persist for weeks, if sometimes months in different patients. So that's the good news is that it's not extremely deadly, at least historically has not been. However, this new or uh, this new outbreak we're seeing that's believed to be caused by this mycoplasma pneumonia. Um, there's concern that potentially this could be uh, something that could spread quicker and cause panic in addition to chronic infectious uh, lung issues for people who are suffering from it. So the good news is that I think scientists have an idea that this is not something that's brand, brand new, but it's presenting in a new way that they aren't really, you know, haven't seen and is causing some concern about potential um, mutations or other issues. So that being said, the WHO is on top of this. They're monitoring the data from China, looking at potential, you know, concerns about new, you know, outbreaks and whatnot. And of course, WHO, which was, you know, pretty 
big in the COVID era as far as keeping the world abreast of infections and how countries were faring. Um, they're going to be on top of this as well. So like I said, guys, just be on the lookout. If people are sick and coughing, just try to you know stay away. If you're sick and you're, you're coughing, stay home, please. Try to avoid going out and, and spreading germs if you can avoid it. Because, you know, now it's, it's pretty big, big. It's a big deal if you're getting sick and simple respiratory infections can get very, very bad very quickly, guys. So, All right. So a new study has just come out showing that sleep health has an association with cardiometabolic disease risk. Now, cardiometabolic disease is diseases that affect, you know, your metabolic system like diabetes uh, or, you know, your heart as well, your, your, your overall metabolic, you know, kind of functions. And uh, so these are something that doctors monitor very closely, especially when it comes to general health markers like, you know, these include your insulin resistance levels, your blood pressure, your um, low-density lipoprotein or LDL cholesterol levels. These things are usually monitored when you get blood work, and if they're out of whack, it's actually a very high, um, in, it's basically a big indicator for increased risk of many medical issues, including diabetes, heart attack, stroke, and the like. So monitoring these markers and what causes them to go up and down has been something scientists have been looking at for a long time. Now, what they've done recently in a new study, they looked at sleep and just seeing how that affected these markers and whether or not it caused them to go up and down and, you know, essentially increase risk for potentially other deadly illnesses. So this one focused on sleep. Now, this one was a decent-sized study. 570 people they looked at in one group. And it was a, the mean age of the people were about 59 years of age. Mostly, you know, they were um, split evenly between uh, male and female. And they also um, included a large amount of Hispanics in this study. Almost 43% of them were Hispanic participants. And so they looked at this study, looked at the sleep patterns of these people who were in the study, and then looked at the cardiac biomarkers and determined what was going on and tried to associate different behaviors with certain biomarkers. What they found was that those who had poor sleep efficiency were associated with more abnormal biomarkers. So those who weren't sleeping very well or had low hours of sleep, meaning less than six hours of sleep, they actually were found to have increased insulin resistance, which is very highly associated with diabetes. Um, they also found that those who um, were having higher levels of poor sleep, um, they were actually more than likely to be Hispanic. They found that in this particular study, again, it was decent. I mean, it was pretty small, let's be honest. 570 people is not that big, but, you know, it was a decent size to get some data you can make some extrapolations from. They found that Hispanic participants in the study were more likely to have poor sleep efficiency than their non-Hispanic counterparts. Now, again, this could be, you know, a whole other issue of whether or not there's some issues with Hispanics being, you know, given jobs that require, you know, more work and less time for sleep or other issues were at play, but something that really was not explored in this study, but they did indicate that those who are of Hispanic origin tended to have poor sleep, um, you know, reporting and so forth. So overall, um, this study definitely focused on sleep and showed that, you know, sleeping or lack of sleep can definitely negatively affect your health, as included in this study, increasing LDL levels as well as increasing insulin resistance. So these are things that are not good. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so I think, you know, another, obviously this is kind of a smaller study, so a larger study should be done. But clearly, you know, the overall gist of this data is that decreased sleep can worsen your health. And I think we've kind of, you know, illustrated that with multiple studies on previous shows. So get your sleep, guys. Six to eight hours a night is ideal. Um, and let's uh, make sure you take that very seriously. And in another um, quick study that showed up that I like to um, talk about is the vegan diet. So vegan diet apparently has some new positive data showing that there are some potential cardiometabolic benefits from the vegan diet. So this study, um, again, looked at the vegan diet and looked at those same cardiobiomarkers we, we talked about earlier. And, um, you know, they looked at whether or not there was some improvement in those markers in those who began um, the, the vegan diet. Um, so what they did was they looked at identical twins. So kind of interesting. They took 22 pairs of twins, um, fully genetic identical twins, 22 uh, pairs of them, so four to four people total. So not very big study, obviously, very small. But they looked at two twins, and they had one twin do the vegan diet, and then one twin do the omnivore diet. So they try to, even though this is not completely perfect, because even though they're twins, they may not be behaving exactly the same. Like one may be doing drugs, one may not. One may be, you know, doing other things, one may, you know. So the thing is, they're twins, so they're genetically they're, they're going to be identical, but it's not a perfect, you know, like you cannot say everything else is equal except for this diet that they're making them switch. So either way, that's just my little quick little aside there. But overall, they took at, they, look, they looked at 22 people. One of them had to do a healthy vegan the other one did an omnivore diet, so they had meat and vegetables and everything else. So they did them, They looked at their, they did it for eight weeks, then they rechecked everything, blood work, and see if there's any significant changes in the blood work. So what they found was that after eight weeks, the twins who ate the vegan diet showed a significant decrease in their LDL, which is, the again, the low-density lipoprotein, which is those bad cholesterol that you don't want. So you want those low. So those who had the vegan diet, they had lower cholesterol levels, which is great. They also, who, those who were in the vegan diet had a decrease of fasting insulin levels. So that's good too. You want low insulin, especially when you're not eating because that shows that your body is not insulin resistance. When you have lower levels, that means your body's more sensitive to insulin. You tend to not develop diabetes if your insulin levels hang on the lower side. So this is, you know, very good for those who are potentially diabetic. There could be some improvement in their insulin resistance levels if they potentially start the vegan diet. Also, those who had the vegan diet had a decreased level in fasting HDL, triglycerides, um, vitamin B12, you know, um, and other things. So, you know, those are kind of not the ideal. You know, B12 is important for your metabolic system, you know, energy levels, blood work, things like that. You know, triglycerides, you don't want those too high as well. So that's actually good. Um, but the perfect thing, the thing is that vegan diet is not perfect. So there are some vibrant issues that can develop from that. So you want to make sure you are supplementing those if you are truly on the vegan diet. So, but there are some improvement with cardiovascular biomarkers, especially when it comes to your cholesterol levels. And, um, your insulin resistance. So I think that's important, guys, especially for someone who has issues that, you know, especially diabetics, things like that, where your those levels are very important. 
you know, the vegan diet may be a good choice to helping you get back in better health. So definitely talk with your doctor about, you know, the vegan diet if you're thinking about doing it or at least making your diet that you're currently doing more vegan friendly. Um, it's not just for those who have, you know, um, certain political beliefs. I think a vegan diet can be beneficial for anyone who's looking for certain health benefits that it offers. So talk with your doctor. Definitely consider a vegan diet if you think that, you know, your biomarkers and your overall health could benefit. Okay, guys, so it's the holiday season and everyone is, you know, having events and get togethers, you know, drinking and doing all the social activities that are always, you know, done when people get together. And because of this, you know, there's a concern that potentially alcohol could become heavily consumed, leading to potential issues associated with alcohol and alcoholism. So the WHO is actually urging governments across the world to increase taxes on alcoholic drinks and make sure people impose them uh, and they're imposed, you know, judiciously on the people. So, yes, uh, not the, the best news <laughs> by the WHO, but could potentially help, you know, on a health standpoint, as uh, we do know that if you tax things a lot, people tend to decrease use of them. And I guess WHO is hoping that if their increased taxes are levied on alcohol, there potentially could be less drinking, which could help reduce disease and so forth. So, you know, as far as, you know, alcohol, I'm someone who believes that alcohol can be consumed if consumed in very low quantities. Now, there are many studies out there that have shown that there's absolutely no benefit to alcohol consumption and just purely negative benefits. So, you know, for that reason, I can't say it's a healthy option, but, you know, I think your body can handle small amounts of alcohol. So drinking within the, the official recommended, you know, amounts of alcohol, I think is not a bad way if you have to consume Ideally, you know, water is the best beverage to drink. <laughs> but again, some people feel water is boring. And I tell those people that, you know, you're, um, you know, you're wrong. Water can be very fun for many reasons, but we won't get into that. Either way, um, if you are someone who definitely wants to consume alcohol, I think ideally, I think drinking one, one to two drinks a day for those on the days that you're drinking alcohol. So you shouldn't be drinking every day, obviously, but if you're drinking on the weekends or it's at a social event, one to two per day is, I think, a safe amount to drink. You know, any more than that, there's an increased risk of a lot of issues. So you got to just be careful. But, you know, again, this is something that, you know, moderation is key. Um, if you go overboard a couple of times here and there, it's not going to be the end of the world. But if you're doing it every day, it can definitely be a pretty significant um, negative effect to your health. So just, again, moderation is key, guys. You know, definitely have fun when you're out there hanging with your friends during the holiday season. But just think about, you know, some of the things to reduce, you know, overconsumption. Because that is something that many people struggle with. So you want to be careful uh, in that. Here's one tip that I tell people about alcohol. If you want to be really good about not overdrinking, try to only drink expensive liquor or expensive alcohol, right? If you go into the bar, don't get the cheapest beer. Get the, the most expensive one or get the most expensive liquor. Just so that you know that if you're going to overdo it, you're going to be penalized right in the pocketbook, right then and there. That'll kind of help kind of moderate how you're spending and how you're drinking. So if you're drinking a beer that's like 10 beers for a dollar, you spend five bucks, have a 50 million beers. Yeah, you're going to probably be an alcoholic if you eat that up. If your beer is $20 a beer and you're drinking one, you're going to be really savoring that beer so you don't overspend. So I think that's the trick you can do now, of course. You know, if you're ready to get drunk and you, you don't have a lot of money, you know, then you got to re reassess your overall life perspective here, guys. You know, 
I think ultimately, you know, alcohol in moderation can be can be fine, but you know, overdoing it is really the problem. So just gotta figure out ways to keep yourself in that, you know, area where you can still enjoy it but not overdo it. All right. So of course the holiday season is a big time when everyone's eating and overeating and enjoying themselves and fancy dinners. But of course, weight gain becomes a part of the season. So this is usually why after the holidays, weight loss becomes even a huge focus. And uh, the drug companies are getting geared up for the uh, the um, <laughs> the uh, weight you know craze that's going to begin as soon as the holiday seasons end. So there's a lot of drugs on the market. We've talked about these a lot already. These weight loss drugs that have been really kind of turning the industry upside down. You got Ozempic and Wegovy, some of the biggest uh, drugs now making billions for their respective manufacturers. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of people trying to create new entries into this market because they see it's very lucrative. Pfizer actually was trying to create a new medication in a similar kind of category of the current weight loss injection or weight loss treatments like Wegovy and um, Manjaro. And their drug actually was in research. They were actually trying to test it on people now to see whether or not it was as effective as those that are currently on the market. And apparently they had to stop because it was side effects were just too bad. I mean, people were getting severe nausea and vomiting and belly pain and a lot of issues that they could not even continue the study. So that's, uh, you know, kind of an issue with um, these drugs. Sometimes you make them, they look good in the, when you're doing the theory, but when you're actually trying to use them on people, it becomes a potential issue when certain side effects become, you know, too much. And uh, it's definitely something that, you know, will set back development of this drug and it could cause some issues, but, you know, Pfizer got a lot of money, so who cares? They're going to be fine. But that being said, the drugs that have been approved that are currently on the market, including um, Ozempic and Wegovy, are, you know, doing extremely well, making uh, uh, billions for the manufacturers. And uh, this shows just the, the huge um, demand for these uh, medications and that our people are, are, are wanting. And this is why a lot of co companies are looking at different avenues to make similar drugs that can have similar effects as those that are out and, you know, making, having people have good results. Now, that being said, about these drugs, there was actually a study that came out looking at two of the more popular drugs in this weight loss category, these um, these GLP-1 agonists. And it was actually between Manjaro and Ozimbic. And this study actually looked at um, Manjaro and Ozimbic and adults who take them and just seeing who actually lost the most weight because this thing is about these drugs having being effect, being effective for weight loss, and uh, people are using them. And they are, there's a lot of ones coming out, and Pfizer is trying to come out with one, but they're you know not going to put that out eventually. But there's a lot of options out there. Victoza is another one. So there's been the concern about which is the most effective. So this study was done and looked at um, these two medications, Monjaro and uh, Ozempic, and it found that Monjaro was actually more effective for weight loss than Ozempic. Um, the study was that those who had um, obesity and type 2 diabetes, and they looked at those people who took Monjaro or Ozempic, almost 18,000 people were included in the study. So a pretty large study and uh, definitely very powerful if you look at you know the data that would be produced by this study. So either way, they looked at 18,000 people and how they responded to Ozempic versus Monjaro. And um, they looked at, you know, 
how they tolerate the medications. First off, the most common side effects were nausea and vomiting, which is, you know, what we see with these medications a lot. Also, they also noted that many people develop gallstones. Roughly one in six had gallstones. So, you know, definitely something that you also want to be paying attention to as far as these uh, medications and, you know, the risk of potential issues. Gallstones is one of those which can cause its own issues. So what they found was that those who were not diabetic, right, actually lost more weight than those who were diabetic. So we know which makes sense as these drugs do help improve insulin resistance. So if your insulin is already pretty, pretty sensitive and you're lowering it more with these meds, you're going to be more effective at metabolizing sugars, reducing the ability to weight gain. Um, and what they also found was that the average weight loss was about 6% for Manjaro users compared to about 4% for those on Ozimbic. And after six months, the average weight loss on Manjaro was 10% with the average weight loss on with Ozimbic users was 6%. So, um, and this continued. Um, after 12 months, 15% of, of those, those, after 12 months, those on Manjaro lost 15% of their body weight compared with those on Ozimbic losing about 8% of their body weight. So Manjaro seems like it's a little more effective as far as, you know, the you know ability to make people lose weight or losing more weight compared to the others. So that's pretty uh, pretty crazy stuff. Manjaro was actually initially purely for diabetics and it actually was approved for weight loss after Ozimbic was already approved. So it was a lot of, you know, things going on here in this industry, but, you know, there's some belief that, you know, maybe Manjaro could be more effective uh, for weight loss, even though it's, um, its counterpart, Ozimbic, is specifically geared for weight loss. So maybe there's going to be pushed to get um, Manjaro as well uh, effective approved for weight loss. So, you know, either way, these these drugs, you know, have been very effective for people who've been using them. Um, so much so that now, you know, there's a lot of people hating on these drugs, saying they're causing issues and, you know, making people do things. And <laughs> people who lose weight aren't getting the respect that they <laughs> feel they deserve, even though um, it still takes hard work, even on these medications. You can't just take a pill and do whatever and lose weight. You do have to still eat right. You still have to work out and do things to keep the physique where it should be. So either way, um, this uh, weight loss uh, community, uh, weight loss craze has has really been causing a lot of, you know, drama in the weight loss community. But I think it's overall a good thing. And people should, you know, consider it if you're someone looking to lose weight, especially if you have illnesses that are being caused by your excessive weight. So, all right. All right, guys. So last uh, study that or article I want to talk about this time was good news, actually. Life expectancy in the U.S. has rebounded in 2022. Um, but it's not yet back to pre-pandemic levels, according to the latest reporting. So we do know that COVID was 2021, and that was a pretty horrific year for life expectancy. Um, they dropped pretty much everywhere, but especially in the United States, where we were really hit badly by the COVID. And then combined with mental health issues, suicide, violence, and everything else, life expectancy was was really, um, you know, heading downwards. But now, 2022, they get, you know, this is, I know we're in 2023, but of course, the data is collected in a year, you know, it takes a year to get all the data, you know, collate and everything. So, of course, this comes out of the U.S. Centers of Disease Control, the CDC. Um, they collect this data regarding life expectancy, deaths, and everything else. They look at, you know, the trends and everything else. And it showed that in 2022, there was an increase in life expectancy to 77.5 years. 
that's a 1.1 year increase year over year. So we're doing good. That means things are working. Treatments are improving. Maybe COVID getting was less virulent. Well, we know that COVID this year is less virulent than it had been previously. So a lot of reasons for that, why um, that people are not dying as much here in the United States and I think worldwide as well. Now, this data pertains to the United States, but I think there's some similar numbers in other countries. So the good news is that, you know, and uh, there were still a lot of people who died from COVID. Apparently, 245,000 people died from COVID in 2022, which is down from uh, two, actually 385,000 who died in 2020 and 462,000, almost half a million died in 2021. So, you know, a lot of people passing away from these illnesses in 2020 and 2021. And thankfully, those numbers are heading downward. I think they'll even be lower this year with the, you know, improved treatments and the decreased virulence of the COVID virus that is currently out and about. So uh, I think that's great news. You know, people are, are surviving. Now, um, overall, I think that, uh, you know, life expectancy is something that I think is a really good metric to look at a country's overall condition. That people who are living longer tend to be, you know, in a healthier environment you know, living happier, you know, less stress and the like. So one thing I want to talk about briefly before we end the show is what places have the longest life expectancy? In case you did not know, um, the countries with the longest, well, the country with the longest life expectancy, according to the World Bank Group, which is an outfit that actually follows this data, shows that Hong Kong, China, actually has the longest life expectancy with the average age of 85.5 as the average age of death for those who pass away. Of course, higher for females, slightly lower for males, but 85.5 is the average for Hong Kong, China. Number two is Macau, China. So China doing pretty good with the life expectancy uh, ratings. Same thing, 85.4, slightly lower, but similar. Japan is number three, 84.45 is the average age. Um, and that's, again, very good. Switzerland is number four, 83.85. And number five is South Korea at 83.53. So a lot of countries doing very well. So at 77.4, we're far behind um, those in China, Japan, and Switzerland, and South Korea. So, you know, hopefully, you know, U.S. will catch up. But I think it's just to show you that if you want to, you know, live us. <laughs> more peaceful, stress-free life, maybe consider going to these countries and areas and check it out see what's going on. All right, so that's the end of the show, guys. We've been here blabbing about health and wellness for the past, you know, 30, 45 minutes or so. And I uh, just want to say, you know, happy holidays, guys. We're going to be back with more show before the year's out, so no frets. We are going to bring you the news as we get it. And of course, if you have anything you want us to cover, please reach out to us. Um, reach out to me. Email is best, drbarryhealth at gmail.com. You can also hit me on Instagram, drbarrymd. And just kind of, you know, don't be a stranger. Either way, it's been fun, guys. Stay tuned for the next show coming up soon. Also, guys, don't forget the TikTok. We got a lot of great content on TikTok. I'm trying to go viral on over there. So please feel free to join the TikTok. You know, follow this account, share it with friends. And yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. It's Dr. Barry signing out. Peace.
Thank you for listening to the Health and Wellness Connection podcast and radio show. For more information on ways to get healthy, please check us out. www.anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. Here you can re-listen to the show, check out older shows, and even further support the show by becoming a subscriber to the podcast. Please check us out today. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. And also, don't forget to follow Dr. Barry on Instagram at drbarrymd. Until next time, stay healthy.